All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail Casanova. I've got with me the one and only Mike Nificent. Mike, go ahead and introduce yourself. I know we did this earlier, but let's run the gambit again. Tell people where you're from, where they can find you, and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, no problems, man. I know we had some technical difficulties, but uh, I'm grateful to be here. Glad to be on air on the Casanova Podcast. Uh, So... I'm originally from Denver, Colorado. I grew up there, spent my whole life there, you know, diehard sports fan of the teams out there and uh, spent the last five years, uh, well, about six years up in Minnesota. I was up there for work, you know, um, met my soon to be wife up there and uh, we just recently moved to Florida. So I've been, you know, a little bit all over the country, time zones, three different like cultures and everything like that. And, uh, yeah, my social media accounts, you know, I have everything, the Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Snapchat, everything on those platforms, are they're all magnificent, except for my Facebook, it's just Mike Dinwiddie. Um, but yeah, I'm most, mostly active on Twitter and YouTube, and I do a little bit of Snapchat, but that's just more like for fun, I don't actually like do any like political talks or anything on there, but I think eventually it could get to that. I keep forgetting to use Snapchat. Like I've had it. I like I was using it a lot back before uh, my wife and I got married because she would always Snapchat me. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like aside from her and maybe a couple other people, like I'm just not using Snapchat anymore. Like I'm wondering if I should even. Like, is it still super popular or? Uh, you know what? I think it's. I think it's kind of plateaued. You know, mm-hmm. it hit a peak at one point and everyone was using it. And I think it is still really popular. Like, that's kind of my go-to as far as if I'm going to document something. Like, if I go on a big vacation, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you know, back in the day, you would post, like, 50 pictures on Facebook, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? And I'm not really a big Instagram guy. I have a page, but I don't post to it regular. I don't even go on Instagram anymore. But Snapchat, I felt like was like a good happy medium. It's like I can post 50 pictures, but they're going to be in one little story and they'll go away in 24 hours. It's not like bombarding someone's news feed. So I don't really use it that much. You know, mm-hmm. I'll like view some stories here and there, but that's about it. Awesome, man. Awesome. I, I, I've gotten to a point like my Instagram, the only thing I post on that is food and my uh, whenever I go to the gym. Like other than that, I don't know. I just don't post anything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think Instagram is it's got a very niche audience and crowd because there are some people in there like to like the wife, she likes to do the little boomerang thing. I don't know if you've seen that where oh, yeah, you record. Yeah. yeah, she does a lot of that with her art and stuff. And just like random things. I don't know. It's kind of cool, but yeah, it's some people are into it. Some people are not. I'm more into, I guess I've matured out of that or, you know, I got yeah. bored with it because now I spend pretty much all day on YouTube and Twitter because I see those as like, that's like news for me. That is yeah. literally my source of news. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like I, I got to that same point too. Like I was, you know, super active on Facebook and Instagram and at one point, but then I don't know. Facebook to me just got to a point where all I'm seeing is a lot of nonsense, like people just regurgitating stuff that they don't even know about, you know, and it, I think it really got bad during this last election and this current term. Mm-hmm. And I just got to the point like I'm I'm just like you, man, like I'm I'm if if I'm not checking my Twitter, 
I'm checking YouTube because I want to know what what's happening. And it's yep. the quickest way to find out. It is very true. It's very true, man. But uh, yeah, man, I wanted to ask you, um, I know I know we did this earlier. And I'm going to be asking the same questions again. But, you know, uh, what has been your experience, you know, being a content creator on YouTube? And uh, what have been some ups and downs that you've experienced in your YouTube journey? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I I don't have a problem going over this again because now I I feel like I can give a more abbreviated version of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So YouTube for me has been so monumental and just me gaining knowledge and finding a community that I can like really connect to and feel connected and reach out and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, with YouTube, I feel like I have to constantly be on it to stay in the know because mm-hmm. I don't turn on my TV anymore. I don't really turn on my TV unless I'm watching sports. I'm not going to sit there and watch like NBC nightly news. So I have to get on YouTube if I'm going to be able to keep up with everything that's going on. Yeah. Uh, as far as like being a content creator, being very new to it, I started out camera shy. You know, I had to first get like comfortable recording myself and looking at a camera. And, and I think I've kind of got over that, but that was a hurdle for me. And the content that I wanted to create, I didn't even realize that I wanted to create content, the content I'm creating now until about six, seven months ago, because for the longest time, I just watched videos, you know. Mm-hmm. I learned so many different things on YouTube. You learn how to cook on there. You, there's nothing you can't type in. Pretty much anything you can type into Google and search, you might as well type into YouTube, get 100 different videos, you know, and learn stuff that way. Exactly. And so I knew that I wanted to be a content creator. I just didn't know what kind of content I wanted to create because I wanted to build a brand and a platform and grow from there. And so I didn't want to do like a how-to video Here's how you set up something, you know, your TV. You know, I wanted to do something that was going to be impactful. Don't even go down so that route because I, I did the how-tos and they are time-consuming like a mug. <laughs> yeah, I bet because you got to be pretty much an expert, right? You got to be yeah. able to say, oh, if it goes wrong, yeah, because <laughs> you really got to know. But uh, I just always had such a respect and, like, love, passion for YouTube just because – how great it is. Like you learn how to, there's nothing you can't learn on there. You can learn how to change your oil in your car. Yep. Um, But yeah, just, I guess ups and downs of being a content creator are, you know, the ups are when you get that first video online, you're like, all right, I did it. This is great. And then you get the likes and the subscribes and the comments and the shares and people are subscribing to your channel and everything feels good. And then you get those videos where you don't get any likes or you get a few or you didn't get as many shares and, you know, comments as you were hoping for. Yeah. So I said that was a big con. And then one that I'm dealing with now is the possibility that my channel is being suppressed or, you know, they've got an algorithm kind of manipulating it. I think I think really since Wednesday when I posted my video about if Obama were a Republican, would he still be celebrated? Would he still have been elected? I guess YouTube sees that as controversial. I mean, they never said anything formal to me, but I've noticed um, Mm -hmm. the traffic on my channel has been a lot less. It's picking up today just because 
I put out a separate video because I wanted to wait and see like, all right, I'm going to give it a couple days. Maybe people just haven't been online. Maybe, you know, maybe they didn't like the content or maybe I did actually get flagged. I reached out to YouTube today. I tweeted at them and they finally uh, sent me a, a DM and they, they said, uh, yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with your channel. Everything's fine. But I had already done my research before that conversation. I know that people have said, yeah, they use, they manipulate their algorithms to yeah. find buzzwords and they will suppress your channel. Well, they, they won't like ban it, but they will basically make it not one of the top searches or not a suggested video. They just, they have little tactics that they use. And um, so anyway, I talked to them and they said it was fine, but I made a video anyway, just saying, Hey guys, uh, I think my channel, I don't know if you guys are getting unsubscribed or getting notifications, but please comment. So I know that this channel is still there because everything was kind of radio silent. Yeah. So I would say that that's probably a con right there is just the fact that the kind of content I'm creating isn't what they want to hear. The truth is unpopular in other words, and I'm yeah. never going to not tell the truth. So I guess I got to, it's an uphill climb to, I guess, reach the audience that I want to reach. Yeah. And, you know, I've noticed that um, I've got that happening with myself. Um, Cause you know, originally I started out when I started out about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, I started out as a uh, kind of like an unboxing channel. Cause I'm like, oh, I don't know what I want to do on YouTube. So I did unboxings and then I switched over to tech and phones. And then I started doing video games. Like I still do mostly game streams and reviews now, but I've started, you know, since I've been inspired by uh, conservative Mexican and, uh, you know, Brandon Tatum and uh, Anthony Brian Logan and others, I started doing um, more conservative talk because I was like, man, I, I really want to get into talking about, you know, politics and whatnot. And I've noticed that um, some videos will hit, like, you know, just like you said, like they'll get a really good following, they'll get likes, they'll get the comments, and then you'll do a follow-up or another video later and it's like, there's nothing. And then when I reached out to some people, they're like, uh, you know, I didn't hear anything. And I'm like, really? <laughs> so it's like, I, I, I definitely agree with you. I think YouTube is uh, kind of like how Twitter does it, too, with the whole shadow banning thing where you're banned, but you don't know it. And they're not, not going to directly tell you. So, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a frustrating. Uh, it, it's, it's really frustrating to have to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, and it's actually really unfortunate that these uh, corporations, that the you know these media conglomerates, they they run the world. Like Facebook, Google, Twitter, those they run the world. Like people worldwide use this stuff, and to have some of the information not be available, mm -hmm. especially when people are specifically looking for it, you know, that is to me. That's just a crime against humanity, because why would you deny someone the ability to access some knowledge that is something that's important to them and, you know, be able to get their voice out there? Like some of the people are actually using this to feed their families or they're trying to grow their business. You know, Diamond and Silk is a great example of two people who are not a threat to the community, people that are upstanding citizens. As far as I know, it doesn't seem like they I don't know who them personally, but I mean, I'd like to think that they're not out there 
committing crimes and spreading like hate, yet they get suppressed because they happen to like the president. Yeah. yeah. It just blows my mind. I don't I've never I've never once thought that we would see a president of the freest, most prosperous nation in the history of human civilization, a president that is demonized, vilified, raked over the coals. And anyone who follows him is basically his little like minions. Like that's yeah. all that we are thought of now. So I think, um, I guess conservatives were, you know, shadow banned and suppressed before Trump, but now they're tripling down on it. Yeah. Because, especially as more voices are coming out. I feel like they're trying to internet exterminate that. That makes sense. They don't, yeah. they don't want that at all. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, I've seen a lot of people getting censored left and right. A lot of channels. Cause I, I want to say, was it like a month or so ago? It got really bad where a lot of conservative channels were either getting deleted or, or just completely shut down on streaming and, and whatnot. It was insane. I think, yeah, it was during that Parkland shooting thing when people were, you know, making claims like, and I'm not going to say I'm for or against the claims they're making. I'm kind of neutral on it because I just need more information to go forward on any assessment like that. But, you know, when people were seeing like false flags and, and, and deep state, you know, before uh, mainstream media started regurgitating deep state stuff as well. I noticed a lot of channels that were saying that were getting, you know, shut down. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think anti-school, uh, Isaac Green with anti-school and, you know, uh, a couple other channels. I'm like, wow, if you have any type of conservative view, or even if you're a quote-unquote conspiracy theorist like before, there was nothing that was really shutting you down to the extent that it is now. You know, and that it's even to the point where Alex Jones, and he's probably the biggest uh, conspiracy mm-hmm. theorist, and he's getting hit majorly. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. And you know what, though, man, now that I think about that, it because I was actually like as I started to kind of wake up and I, you know, was looking at other content online. Mm-hmm. This is before Trump was elected. I kind of had a guilty pleasure watching these conspiracy theory videos. And I was hearing about like chemtrails and all like, here's how they manipulate us. Their social engineering with their news stuff. And I learned a lot. And mm-hmm. the fact that now they're starting to wipe those channels out and we're seeing stuff play out that they've talked about, that means the dots are kind of connected. Yeah. So some of that stuff is actually true. Yeah. And it's crazy. So um, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and I know I asked you this earlier, <laughs> but I'll <ask laughs> it again. Um, what made you uh, take the red pill? And um, I'm, I'm going to combine this with the, ne- the follow-up question. So on top of taking the red pill, you know, what has motivated you to start being active and speaking out on, you know, not only social issues, but also political issues and, going against the normal narrative that the mainstream media pushes. Yeah. Yes. Well, there were three, I would say there are three things that kind of led me to the red pill. I didn't have like one specific red pill moment so much mm-hmm. as it was a journey that I found myself on that red led me to the red pill because I, you know, the, the summer of 2016 was when we saw all these, you know, police shootings of unarmed 
or alleged unarmed black men, like, you know, mm-hmm. basically black men being killed. And I feel like there was just a lot of that that was being reported. And it seemed like it was all of a sudden, like out of nowhere. <clears throat> and so I started looking into it a little bit more because I was still kind of in a frenzy. Like at this point, I would say I'm still solidly in the matrix. I'm thinking like, man, it's open season on black people that are getting killed. Uh, Police brutality is a huge issue facing our community. What are we going to do about it? Like, I feel like I could get shot walking down the street. And then I thought about it one day and I was like, I'm not a criminal. I've never had any issues with the police, but why do I feel so like paranoid about this? Like I, like it's us versus cops. And then I started looking up some of the facts of the cases and seeing like, man, this was actually not the way it was reported Mm -hmm. in this case. I mean, the person would still be alive if they didn't do X, Y, and Z. Right. And so that was one thing that kind of got me to wake up and realize, like, I don't feel like a victim yet. I'm being told that I'm a victim because of the color of my skin. So that's one thing. Second thing was, living in an echo chamber, really, in Minnesota, because after leaving Colorado, where, you know, people are just kind of happy-go-lucky, they're just living their lives, hiking, skiing, don't really get into politics. When I moved up to Minnesota, I would hear about, you know, people just talking down on conservatives, and I had never really spent that much time around liberals. I had never lived in a state where it's just all blue. They just Mm -hmm. vote Democrat, up and down the board. And at first I thought it might be kind of cool because, you know, in college, that's like a liberal environment. And so I had generally like positive outlook or positive view of liberals. But when I moved up there and I started seeing more of the social justice warriors and like the white guilt and just a lot of like Black Lives Matter protests, I just saw a lot of it. And it, it came off as really like disingenuous to me, especially in the work environment. And the ultimate thing that, you know, this is probably where I actually took the red pill was when Mm -hmm. Trump got elected, because we all knew Hillary was the worst candidate, probably in all of ever. She was probably the worst candidate ever. So I already felt (laughs) really iffy about her as president, but I wasn't really a fan of Trump either. It was more for Trump. I was just more like, well, he's an unknown. He's a political outsider. Like, I don't think that's good. Whereas Hillary, I was like, no, she's not the one. <laughs> so anyway, Trump yeah. wins. Trump wins. Right. And people are panicked. I go to work the next day and people are. Just they can't really function. People are having all these discussions about it. Some people were crying. I saw it on social media, you know. And I just didn't really feel that strongly about it. At that point, after he won, I said, well, I don't really know what it means for me, but I'm going to approach it with an open mind. I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to hear what he has to say, despite all the other stuff that the media had told me that he said and like what I've heard people talk about. I was like, you know, what? I want to find some Trump supporters that actually that I know aren't racist. Mm -hmm. And I want to I want to hear what they said. And I asked one of my coworkers that. I'm like, did you vote for Trump? She's like, yeah. And she's like, honestly, my husband was in the Iraq war and she kind of just told me a story about why they're conservatives and why Trump is the best thing for America. And I was like, that's interesting. I'm going to look that up. So I go home and I start looking up all this stuff and I go back and watch some of Trump's like rallies. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they're nothing like what the media told me it was. 
because I up until the time Trump won, I had accepted CNN as like legitimate news source and the way that they covered the election, the way that they covered Trump was nothing like what I found when I did my own research. And so mm-hmm. I was like, wow, now I'm actually shifting from giving him a chance to like, I think I want Trump to win just because they don't want him to win. And if he wins, we win because the stuff he's talking about is stuff that I'm down with, you know, like that, like I align myself with those values, like America first, like we should absolutely take care of American citizens before we take care of illegal immigrants. That is like common sense. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel like for me every day, I'm taking I'm feeling the effects of that red pill more. It's not it's like a lasting effect, you know, as I gain more knowledge and learn more. And, you know, just everything that Trump has talked about has been. For the most part, positive. I mean, he obviously he's he gets he gets sidetracked, you know, he's a celebrity, but he's also not perfect. He's not the Messiah. So I'm not going to treat him like the Messiah. You know, he's a human being. And I don't care what he's, I don't care about the Stormy Daniels stuff. I don't care about any of that. All I care is our jobs coming back to the U.S. Yeah. You know, our rights protected. You know, what's going on in the country is more important to me than what's going on with the person who's making the decisions because we've all got, we've all got our issues. Yeah. So I just kind of look at it like that, you know, and, and I just, I guess on top of me, feeling like having conservative values, seeing the left go pretty much as far left as they can go, like Marxist left, that that just further validates why I could have never been a Democrat because I never was. I was always kind of in the middle. I was like independent, look at both sides of it. But now I'm, I just see I still try to like hear out what they're saying on the left. But for the most part, I shut them out. I was like, all right, I lived in an echo chamber of Minnesota. Once I moved to Florida, I kind of put myself in the conservative like think tank. I just want to hear what everything conservatives have to say so that I can pretty much get up to speed because I know every, I spent my whole life hearing what Democrats have to say. So now hearing what they have to say on the right makes so much more sense. It's just like sound logic, reason, common sense. Definitely, man. I, and, you know, I I kind of I grew up this, in, in a way like when I was growing up you know, I was raised to vote Democrat and never talk politics. And, you know, I was always told that, you know, as being black, that Democrats are for us and, you know, they're the ones, you know, for the progressive change. And it's it's amazing. You know, I'm 29 now going on 30 and it's only within this last year or last couple of months, actually, that. I've actually gone about this whole, you know, paradigm shift of thinking. And I, I have to give a shout out to my friend and YouTuber, uh, Power Level Amy, because she's really helped me, you know, leave the Democratic plantation and just be able to see things objectively, see, you know, things in the conservative viewpoint of, hey, you know, like what you brought up earlier. Hey, we got jobs coming back to America. We've got, you know, companies leaving and in reestablishing themselves here we we we're we're focusing on america first and we, that's what we should do like if you think about you got your house you got to focus on making your house straight so you know the left i, I don't understand them man like i, I think they're kind of like analytical chick said in the chat like i think they're they're nuts and i don't understand why 
Yeah, yeah. I I don't really know where it comes from. I, I, I want to say it's like maybe people just looking for validation yeah. or they just want to have like participation points. Because if you think about liberalism, it's popular, right? Yeah. Think of every late night talk show host, Trevor Noah, Jimmy Kimmel, um, some of the other people. I, I can't even think of them. Chelsea Handler. These people are on. They make it seem cool to be on the left. It's in Hollywood. And one of the things. Well, so the Democrats in the left, they control three big things that indoctrinate us. The big yeah. three you know, mainstream media, Hollywood and academia. So we're all kind of brought up liberal and anything that Jay-Z and Beyonce or whoever your favorite celebrity is that's on the left, which is all of them, right? Anyone that tells you something, you're going to follow them. So you can basically go as far left as they go, right? There's like, where do you dig your heels in and realize like, wait, actually, that's kind of weird. I'm good. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You don't really see that on the left. It's just like, all right, here's what we're focusing on next. Here's the next agenda. We're going to go even further left. And I'm convinced they won't let up until they take away the Second Amendment, which we know they are trying to do that. And they want to have some democratic socialism, which is just another term for socialism. <laughs> they, they're in the constant delusional search for a utopia, which will never exist, you know? Yeah. So one thing I forgot to leave out though, actually, is relates to YouTube and after taking the red pill was, I immediately started to search for other people who supported Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And I found Anthony Brian Logan page and the rest was history because I went back, watched like 10 of his videos that he made during the Trump campaign. And I've just, I just loved the content on his channel and I felt like I learned so much. It just helped me to really grow as a conservative and help me um, get to the point where I could create my own content. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Anthony Brian Logan is he's I, I came across his channel uh, towards the end of last year. And I'm like, just like you, man, I had to go back and rewatch a lot of stuff, like especially for the election. I had to go back and rewatch because I understood what like the mainstream media, the the narrative that they put out, but I'm like, I need to understand what's going on. And, you know, just like uh, analytical chick, she brought up amazing Lucas. You know, I had him on my, my uh, podcast a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. And, um, you know, the way he comes at it from a straightforward, no holes bar comedic stance. And it's like, man, I'm, I'm getting really, really educated on a lot of things that I just was never taught you know, not only at home, but at school, like I was just never taught these things. And it's, it, it, in a way it upsets me because I'm like, damn, I'm older now and I'm only learning this now. Like, why did I learn this sooner? But then yep. I have to be grateful because some people never learn this ever. You know, That's true. That's very true, man. And, and that's why I'm so grateful for this information age, because had I not had, the internet at my disposal, I felt like I would have just, I would have stayed in the matrix because it wasn't until I could look up stuff and find these channels and like educate myself via these channels on the tricks that are played. And then I'm learning like, wow, I've been lied to this whole time. Yeah. You know, 
And there, there's just endless amount of content out there. Like, I don't know if you sup- subscribe to Kevin's Corner, too, but that's another great channel. Yeah. Kevin's Corner is great. Yeah. So I feel like learning from these other conservatives that have, like, they're hip to the game, the tricks, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just it just helps everything grow. Because now I feel like there could be more coming behind me. If I can reach more people the way Anthony Brian Logan's content reached me, then that that just keeps the movement going. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up uh, Kevin Kevin's corner. I should be having him on the podcast in the coming weeks. Uh, we've been having some scheduling differences, but uh, eventually I want to have him on. I want to do a roundtable uh, get-together of YouTubers. Uh, like I'd like to have you, Kevin, ABL, Brandon Tatum, Amazing Lucas. Like I think that would be awesome to have us all on there and throw in conservative Mexican analytical chick. I think it would be cool having a roundtable like that. <laughs> Yeah, that would be that would be sick for sure. Yeah. But um I wanted to ask you, you know, since um you know, since you've come out come as a conservative more I think I think we we spoke about earlier about the libertarianism, classical libertarianism and and conservative views that you have, but since you have that amalgamation of both, uh, what has been your experience since you've started seeing what's going on, you know, in America, especially in regards to like the manipulation of the media and the constant attacks, you know, not only on our flag, but our president, our country, and our constitution. Yeah. Uh, now that now that I have a more, well, sorry, my earpiece came out there. Now oh. that I have a more, now that I have a trained eye for the BS that is mm-hmm. spewed out, I'm able to see through a lot of it before it gets out of hand before I start believing something because we're constantly, you know, they're cramming it down our throats all the time that, you know, Republicans are racist and like racism's a big thing. And they're, you know, they're pushing identity politics on us all the time and they're attacking our free speech. Now I'm a victim of that. I hate to say the word victim, but it's, they have victimized my page by suppressing my views, trying to suppress my voice using these algorithms or whatever. Mm-hmm. I it, it gives me more it gives me more fury towards it, and you know I hate the way that they are programming kids now, because yeah. when you think about it, when we grew up, at least in my school, we had the American flag, we said the Pledge of yeah. Allegiance, we said Merry Christmas, right? Because this is a country, this is America, right? And there were kids in my class that were from uh, I think there was a kid in my class that was from somewhere in the Middle East, mm-hmm. and you know I didn't. This is our country. I would feel like if I were to go over to another country, I would want to assimilate to their to their culture, to their ideals. Like I wouldn't go over there and fly the American flag and disrespect their country and their values. You know, if I'm going to go over there and live, I'm going to it's pretty much like when you go to someone's house. Are you going to go to someone's house and just start like go in their fridge and just start eating their food and just Mm -hmm. walk around like you own the place? Or are you going to show some respect, some humility, be humble, you know? have some manners. That's just, that's pretty much the same thing with here. And I feel like for people who are born and raised in American and they are pretty much trampling on the flag and acting like America's this awful, disgraceful place. I feel like that was happening a lot under Obama. See, I get into like reflection modes where I can look back now that I'm conservative, I can look back and see like, actually that was a dark time for us. And now that we have Trump in office, I feel so much more patriotic. I feel like 
I felt proud to be American, whereas under Obama, I felt like it was bad, almost. Like, we should be ashamed as Americans. We have so much work to do. I'm like, can't we focus on the positive stuff? Like, how many people have made it out of poverty? How many people went from nothing to everything? Mm -hmm. You know, that only happens in a capitalistic society. And, you know, the attack on free speech, that's another huge one for me. Because I've always been like this outspoken guy. I really like to speak my mind. And I don't like people telling me what I can and can't say and do. And, you know, it just it just really grows for me to uh, to want to speak out. At first, I was only doing it like in the comment section as I was, you know, traveling on my journey with this red pill thing. And I, I just would comment on videos and, you know, I would tweet stuff here and there. And it wasn't until recently that I felt the need to really speak out. And I think with the, uh, with the Starbucks thing, that's what, that's where I really found my voice Mm -hmm. for, you know, speaking out. And I I want to speak out on all issues, not just issues facing the black community. It's really easy to go, but it's a never ending rabbit hole. Yeah. Right. If my whole channel would, my whole content would just be dedicated to waking the black community up. In reality, I want to speak on all topics because I think I feel passionate about all the topics. That one's just that one's a hot button issue for me. So and it just so happens to be what's dominating the mainstream media now with the con everything from the Starbucks to the Kanye West thing to that police that shooting out in San Francisco. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, <clears throat> and that's some of the, one of the things like I kind of started thinking about myself, um, you know, as I started speaking more politically, because one of the things I got tired, I got so tired of hearing it. I know we're going to go into depth on like this topic later on the podcast, but I got tired of being told that because I'm black or because of, you know, the color of my skin or whatever, that I'm a victim and I can't achieve this and I can't do this and everything's out to get me. And I'm like, man, F that logic. If I want to succeed or fail, that's on me. No, I doesn't, you know, if I want to get a house or get a condo, if I want to, you know, like I did move out here to Hawaii, then I'm going to do that. Like there's not going to be anything that will stop me from being successful other than myself, because I'm a strong believer that the mind is the most powerful thing. And if you got a weak mind, you got a weak reality. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that's true. Yeah. And that was. And that's something that, you know, as minorities, we hear that from the time we're kids, right? Like, you know, it's going to be hard for you. You're going to have to work twice as hard because of your skin color. And they're pretty much attaching value to immutable characteristics. I'm just like, no, I don't I don't see it that way now. And not only do I not see it that way, I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing other people being told that. And I'm tired of other people telling me that I'm wrong for mm-hmm. believing. I'm like, okay, so if, if that's the case, then how do you explain any black person ever who's achieved anything? How yeah. do you explain Obama? How do you explain that? Right? Yeah. He, could, he, could not, he could literally not get elected without white people voting for him. And the first thing so, they want to tell you is like, oh, well, that's an exception. It's like, what are the parameters for these exceptions then? 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> exactly. That's an exception. The presidency, that's a damn broad parameter then. <laughs> right. You tell me I can do everything, literally. Yeah, craziness, man. All right, man. So I want to go ahead and get into the topic of Candace Owens. Uh, so what do you think of Candace Owens? Uh, she's become the face, the, the current face of the current movement, um, a bit of a cult of personality in a way, and she's definitely helped to awaken many from the Democratic plantation, especially, you know, a lot of the black community. However, there are many on the right that thoroughly hate her. And instead of, you know, working with her, many will choose to put her down or attempt to. And they'll bring up like her social autopsy pass and call her a fake conservative. Like, What do you think this does? Uh, do you think this is helping? You think it causes more harm than good? Are you indifferent about it? Uh, yeah, so with Candace Owens, you know, I actually, I've actually been on the Candace Owens train since she was known as Red Pill Black. And I saw one of her videos. I actually discovered her when I was down here in Florida. And I don't even remember how it came up, but I found one of her videos where she was talking about uh, Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And I was like, finally, someone's going to speak out against this Black Lives Matter thing because it's BS. It was born under a false narrative, right? And she just mm -hmm. called it out in one of her videos. And I was like, wow, this chick, she needs a bigger. So I start sharing her videos with people and people are starting to eat that up and sharing it with other people. So I think a lot of us really discovered that and spread that. But I really love her message. I feel like her voice, because, you know, she's pretty abrasive with it. She comes mm -hmm. hard hitting with it and she has like that, you know, spunk. I think that that really gets to people. It really drives home the point. I feel like when she, I know when she did the, uh, the video that, you know, made her go viral, I think what got the attention of Kanye where she's, mm -hmm. you know, smacking down those black lives matter protesters. I think the, the way that she was doing it and with the, like the passion that she was doing it, I think that that is, really important to the movement to have people who are, you know, you need your ABL types where, you know, they report on the news, they'll debate, whatever, but then you need some, some like fiery personalities. Mm -hmm. And she's one of those personalities because it ruffles feathers. And that's the point. You need to get people out of their comfort zone. And I think she's doing a great job of that. As far as people attacking her that are on the right, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about the social autopsy thing. I mean, I've, I've read about it and I've heard other people's points of view on it, but the way I see it here, she is now, you know, everybody's got a past. She, she already admitted that that she had no idea what was going on with it. She didn't know what she's getting herself into, which is why she, all the more reason why she's speaking the way she is now is because of that social autopsy. So yeah. I don't really look at it as something to hold against her because if you were to say like, wow, everything you just said is the truth. You're making so much sense, but social autopsy. That's just a way to kind of undermine everything she's worked so hard for to get where she is now. And I know the ones that are on the right, I know a couple of those people that are have spoken out against her. And I just feel like that's kind of the same as some of the deep state rhino Republicans that are not working with Trump. It's just counterproductive at this point because Conservatives, we really need to stick together mm -hmm. because we are up against Goliath. You know, the whole yeah. left is Goliath. 
there are more people that think like them than think like us. And so I don't think it's very helpful to, it's one thing to disagree with her, have a conversation with her, have her on your podcast. That's how I see it. If you feel strongly enough about it to, you know, make a video and basically share your views, your negative views of her to like your following, then you should at least get her opinion, like have a conversation with her. I feel like that would be more productive than to look like we are splintered and divided on the right. Yeah. Mm, uh, you know, uh, you, you make a very, very, very good point. Um, I like, especially, you know, the Republican rhino uh, part you said, because you're the first person I've heard to say that, to make that analogy. And I, I've been thinking that myself for quite a long time. I'm like, you know, she, you know, a lot of people have been attacking her. I, I've seen Tree of Logic's videos, some black guy's videos, uh, that guy Rob's videos, like a lot of bigger YouTubers, they're just attacking her. And I'm thinking, yeah, I understand the fact that she did, she's part of social autopsy. Okay, you don't like the idea of, you know, her doxing, you don't like X, Y, and Z. You think that, you know, she stays, she's phony. But what's the bigger picture here? She's waking people up. And the left hate her. So you can dislike her, but the enemy of your enemy is your friend. You don't have to agree with everything she's doing. But if the common goal is you're waking people up or you want people to wake up and she's whatever method she's doing is waking people up then work together. Right. Exactly. Would you, would you rather call her out and try to take her down or would you rather let her be the face of the movement right now and wake people up, iron those differences out later? Exactly. That's exactly the point, man. Yep. Um, so when it comes to is another thing has been buzzing in the news. But uh, what are your thoughts on the Kanye West situation? Oh and- man, I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> Kanye, and, uh, man. And what do you think of uh, his now? Like you know, he's been t- he he had his MAGA cap uh, signed by Trump, and you know he was basically influenced a lot of people. And he's gotten a lot of backlash. Like, I don't think, aside from Trump, I've never seen the left viciously go after someone like they've been doing. Uh, not only Candace, but also Kanye. It's, it's amazing. But, you know, as of today, he, you know, he made some tweets about Emma Gonzalez being his hero. And in a way, that's effectively, you know, having him playing both sides. So when he could have said, like, Kyle Khrushchev who was also a Parkland survivor, or he could have spoke on the kid who actually did save lives where versus Emma, who is, you know, she's been revealed to have been a big proponent in the bullying of the shooter. And, you know, her and David Hogg weren't even at that portion of the building where the shooting was going on. So I think, what, what are your thoughts overall? Well, I I have not always agreed with Kanye, you know. Mm-hmm. I've always thought he was more on the arrogant side, but I always respected Kanye because he's been so important to like free speech. You know, he speaks his mind. He doesn't care what people think. 
mm-hmm. and he's brave. He's always been brave. Like, you know, they, they're bringing up the clip of him with the Hurricane Katrina thing when he said George Bush doesn't care about black people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone's ever said that on TV before, live TV. But that's yeah. Kanye West, you know. He's a trailblazer in that sense. So for him to come to Candace Owens' defense, when I first heard about it, I was like, he's trolling. There's no way. Yeah. But then but then when I looked into what, I, what he started saying after that, I said, okay, this is, this, we're on to something here because he started getting backlash. And when he got the backlash, I didn't even think he was going to get as much backlash as he did. But mm-hmm. it got really rough when, like, blue check marks were coming after him. And they start going after her, you know, it just, he poked a hornet's nest and I feel like he just kind of, you know, he went to battle for Candace Owens because we've all know Kanye is an out there kind of bizarre dude, Mm -hmm. but it makes sense that he would support Trump and be conservative. He says he doesn't know what a conservative is. He's just all about free thinking and all that. But if you're a free thinker and your free thoughts lead you to get a Donald Trump make America great again hat, you might as well be a conservative because you hold certain values that are critical to conservatism and that Democrats are trying to take away. And this headphone thing keeps popping out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you know, Kanye has been crucial. And at first I thought like, you know, it's, it's going to, he's not, this is, this is going to die down in a couple of days, but I, you know, I follow him on Twitter now and I get his um, updates whenever he tweets and he keeps going with it. Now he, he came out with a song yesterday with it's, it's called like yay versus the people mm-hmm. and TI is rapping as, as he's speaking for the people mm-hmm. and he said that he took – so T.I. was asked a real legit question like, where are you going with this? Is this just to build up hype for your album or like where are you going? Mm-hmm. And Kanye, without really answering it, he just kind of said he took Make America Great Again and he turned it – like he added stuff to it, basically changing the meaning of it. Or act because when people thought of MAGA, they thought of like racism, white supremacy. Yeah. The people who aren't informed anyway. And Kanye is saying, well, I'm adding love to it and I'm adding acceptance and peace and all this other stuff. So I guess I don't really know. It started out really strong where he stood up for Candace and now it's going down a different avenue that I'm just I'm not I'm kind of checked out. But I'm glad he did what he did because so many people respect his opinion that it's just generated conversations that, quite frankly, needed to happen in the black community. And yeah. the fact Chance the Rapper came in and said what he had to say, you know, we, we don't have to vote Democrat. That's generated a lot of discussion. Yeah, that you- was long overdue. Yeah. Definitely, man. And since you brought up Chance, that was the second question I was going to have uh, to follow up the Kanye one. So what are your thoughts on the backpedaling that Chance the Rapper did after he was viciously attacked on Twitter for saying that black people don't have to be Democrats? Well, what I think is, was Chance thought that he could jump into a discussion not knowing what the 
consequences would be. Mm-hmm. And now because his career is still so young, he had to walk it back. He had to submit. He made a business decision. That's basically what he did because he came out at first and I think his intentions were genuine. He obviously wasn't doing that for for brownie points to say that, you know, I think he just wanted to jump in the discussion and be like, he was probably seeing and hearing what people were saying. He's like, actually, we don't have to. But then when he got the backlash, like, don't go to Kanye's defense. Don't, you know, he probably made a business decision. Like, you know what? I should probably walk that back. But that is all the more reason why what Kanye did was so important because ever since then, I've even thought about, all right, maybe it's time for me to make a Facebook post about this. Now, Facebook for me, that's where all of my people, my friends, family, coworkers, pretty much everyone on the left, everyone on the left that I know is there. Yeah. Right. And they don't, I don't, at least I don't think they know. They don't know about my YouTube. They don't know about my Twitter. They don't know about the conservative community I'm connected to. And it it just gave me the courage to go out and speak that truth and try to wake people up there and, you know, just be able to speak my mind without having the thought police come after me. Yeah. So I just, I really think that, uh, I really think that what Chance and Kanye did were great. Kanye is going forward with it. Like he, he put on the make America great again hat that, that picture will be online forever. So he can't come back from that. He can't come back and be like, oh, I was just joking or I was just going through a phase or, you know, he has endorsed Donald Trump. There is no going back. Mm-hmm. Kanye, as far as anyone else will ever see him, is on the right. Yeah. He's right wing. They will look back to this. Whereas Chance, he's really young in his career, like I said. He doesn't know where his career, he could be an actor. He, there's a lot that can happen for him. And I think Chance, he wasn't willing to go any further than that. Yeah. So I can't really fault him for it because I think it wasn't genuine, but at the same time, it lost meaning. He could, because he just went right back to the plantation. Yeah. He couldn't make it far enough off the plantation. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree. Um, and we can segue on into uh, topics about the black community. So when it comes to the black community, it seems for most, not all, but for most, that there's a perpetual victimhood mentality that is embraced to the point where it's the norm. Like, why do you think that the black community holds on to wanting to be the victim so much and throwing out terms such as, we are where we are due to slavery or the system is set up for us to fail or systemic oppression, or even it's the white man's or, or people's fault. Why is there a lack of accountability in the black community uh, huh. in your opinion? Yeah. And see, this is, this is the tough one for me because I'm someone who I grew up in the suburbs of Denver. I didn't grow up in a black community. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to, an all black school. None of my family members were on drugs or went to jail. My parents were married at least till I was 10, but I, you know, I had both parents in my life, mm. my father and my mother in my life. And, you know, I've ne- never missed a meal. No, my family was pretty well off. And um, so therefore it was, it's really hard for me to relate to the victimhood from the get go, from the very get go. 
Um, also, I know that hard work was the only way that I was going to be able to make it regardless mm -hmm. of my skin color. I never believed that being white and lazy would be better than being black and working hard. I didn't yeah. think it had anything to do with skin color from the get-go. Now, having said that, growing up around, you know, black people who did take the victimhood mentality and blame, I, I, start, I started to kind of get indoctrinated to that. Like they would tell me stuff like your skin color is, is it matters. It really does matter. How are you going to deny that it doesn't matter? And even though I still disagreed, I just stopped. I didn't really speak out. I didn't mm -hmm. say that I disagreed. I just kind of looked at it like, well, maybe that is true. And man, it's, it's not only is it not true, you know, people don't want to believe that it's not true because it's just easier. It's just easier to take, to blame someone else because if you blame someone else, you can't ever change it. Yeah. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword because the left, they will tell black people they're victims. They indoctrinate them to believe that they are victims. They tell them that there's this big, bad entity that's out to, to get them. Mm -hmm. You know, they talk about the school to prison pipeline. They don't talk about the actual problems within the black community. Like the culture is flawed yeah. and it's the black liberals really that are misleading the community. Like, can we talk about these rappers? They have, they're so influential on the culture and they perpetuate all of the negative stereotypes, all the negatives about blacks. And it, I just feel like it's not, it's not going to get any better until people can hold up a mirror and say, we got to fix us. Yeah. And actually I'm going to go even a step further and say, and this is probably the, one of the most controversial points that I have made, at least on Twitter, and I will be making a video about it soon, is it's time to stop thinking as black people and start thinking as individuals. Start thinking as Americans. Yes, sir. Because if you identify as a black person, then you're automatically subscribed to groupthink of black people, which is victimhood. If you think differently, you're a sellout Uncle Tom, all those names, those are all program responses, by the way, for yeah. people who are hip to the game. They get labeled an Uncle Tom and a coon and sellout and not black enough because they talk <clears> a certain <throat> way. You know, those things are really, really cancerous. And yeah, just with the victimhood, it's just it's easier to not take accountability. Yeah, it's just easier. And it's, it's a lot. It's also a lack of education, too, because. You know, I went to college, got my education. I met so many white people. I'm like, there is no way you could ever convince me that just the average white person's out to get me. I yeah. just I just don't see it. Either that or I've just been lucky enough to meet all the white people that aren't racist. I'm not saying that there aren't racist white people out there. I'm just saying it is inflated that you can't get somewhere because of your skin color. And yeah. when I was having a conversation with my mom about it the other day. And she brought up a point that, you know, you don't think that there's systemic racism. How do you explain um, certain black people with names like, I don't know, Jamal or Shaniqua or whatever, you know, a more unique sounding name? How do you explain those people not getting jobs or being turned down? You know that 
that's because it's a white person that's not hiring them because of their name. Had they gone to a company where there's a black person interviewing them, a black person's company, they would get a job. They wouldn't look at their name like that. And I said, mom, you just made my point for me. This is America. So why do you need to go to someone for a job when you can create a job? Yeah. Right. There are two types of people. You're either going to be an entrepreneur or you're going to be an employee. Yeah. Which one are you? And why do you need? So there, there's one thing debunked, right? Oh, I can't get a job. Okay. Well, I guess you got to start your own business. That takes care of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Preach, brother. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm getting into my zone now and I can get, see, I can get in my zone and I can really talk about it. <laughs> You know, because th- this is the stuff, man. This this is the stuff that I'm seeing, and I'm, I'm, dude, I'm vibing with you 100 percent right now on that because that's the thing. Like, I I know, you know, I know a lot of people, like, uh, you know, other YouTubers that are in the gaming scene. That since I have come out to say, man, you know, these the issues in the black community. We need to stop saying we're victims. Stop having this group mentality, dude. The amount of attacks that I've gotten, you know, I'm not even getting really attacked by, you know, white people or anything. I'm getting more attacks in the black community. And I'm like, is it so wrong to think that I'm not a victim? And they're like, well, we are because we're, 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 we're held down and, and, and we can't do this. And I'm like, who's holding you down? Who is this, this, this boogeyman that's doing all this wrong to you? I'm like, uh-huh. and what is your, accountability like what are you adding to the pot that's making this happen oh well i didn't do anything i was just born black that doesn't make sense (laughs) yeah that literally doesn't make sense it's it's just they're just you know they're just parroting talking points from the left you know and it next time you deal with that here's what you do next time someone says all right there's systemic racism say okay what piece of legislation is with racist intent do we have? Okay, point it out. What piece of legislation is it? If nothing, if anything, it's racist the opposite way. I get it. You know, the affirmative action thing made sense at one point in time. Now it's just the soft bigotry of low expectations. It is. Well, this person is black or LGBTQIA, whatever. They yeah. let's get some affirmative action for them. Let's get some. It's just they're doing way too much. They're doing way too much, and that and they they don't they see right past that. I don't understand. I don't understand how you don't see that that is more racist. You know exactly, man. I had um. You know, he's a significantly bigger YouTuber than me, and he's actually who helped me get, you know, more of a following on YouTuber, and it's kind of funny to see him lash out at me about, I did a video, and it's kind of controversial, where I said systemic racism is bullshit, you know, I did in the sense of uh, kind of like uh, Steven Crowder, that was the, uh, the, the thumbnail so it's like systemic racism is bullshit. Prove me, you know, change my mind. Change my mind, yeah. And, and the dude got so triggered, you know. And I was like, wow. He's like, well, well, you're just making up stuff because you're in Hawaii and there's no racism in Hawaii. There's no systemic oppression. But you know, you can't speak for all black people because 
you know, I'm here and and uh, what is he in California? And he's like, it's really hard, and you know, we can't get above because we're black. And I'm like, hold up. First off, I said racism. Let's uh, that's, that's, that's quantify that. You know, there's no laws on the books at all, aside from you know the the uh, what call it the um. I can't see. I, you said it earlier, and I can't think of the name. Of it. Uh, affirmative action. Affirmative action. Yes. Aside yeah. from that, that's actually working against you know minorities. Now Asians have it the worst because there's I think is was it the the eighty twenty rule or whatever where they actually they have to work even harder to get into schools because of them being Asian. And then, you know, whites have the system working against them. I, and I asked him, I said, what what exactly is keeping black people oppressed? He said, oh, well, you know, cops are going out just killing people. I said, I have a brother. I have other family members. I have some of my best friends are cops. And trust me, statistics even say that uh, they're, if you're white, you're more likely to be shot by a cop if you're white than if you're black because they're afraid of shooting or even doing any type of law enforcement towards a black individual because of the fear of racism and being labeled a racist and just the media jumping on it like vultures. And then he's like, well, you're going on a tangent. You know, you you don't know anything about what you're talking because I've seen racism and it exists. And I'm like, okay, so you've seen racism. So what is your example? that validates that that's irrefutable so he brings up uh what did he bring up he brought up ferguson and he said hands up don't shoot i said you oh know god I, I told him i said i have a personal connection to ferguson because my brother one of my older brothers was actually one of the pr people for that whole thing and he helped propagate that false narrative and wrote a book about it and he's like Oh, that, but no, that that's true because uh, Ferguson, did, there was hands up, don't you? I said, it's a false narrative. It's false. Yeah, it's a damn shame. I tell you, man, it is a damn shame where we are. And I am going to my whole. So my whole thing is I'm a spiritual person, right? Yeah. And I believe we are multidimensional beings having a human experience. And I say all that to say that while we're in this human experience, we need to have that human experience. Mm -hmm. Enough of this tribalism, right? That's what they do. They socially, like some of tribalism is by nature. It's human nature, right? Mm -hmm. People congregate with their kind, right? Or people who are like them, right? Mm -hmm. But when you factor in other things like, They have pushed on to us. This is where like my Alex Jones conspiracy theorist comes in. It's because they are, it's control. If you can divide people, pit them against each other, and then have the oppression Olympics, you can control them. You can control their thoughts. If you can control their emotions, if you know what button to push to get them emotional, you can control their thoughts. And that is exactly what they do. And it's very prevalent in the black community because if people think they're victims, they think that the outcome of their life is outside of their control. But in reality, it is all in their head. It is all in their head. 
And the fact that people are obsessed with their skin color means that the left did a really good job indoctrinating them. Yeah. I get the histor- the history of it. See, this is where this is where the black liberal will come in. Like you were supposed to just deny racism and like or deny slavery and Jim Crow. I'm like, first of all, I didn't live through that. Okay, didn't live through it. I yeah. acknowledge it. I know it happened. But explain to me what like what bearing it has on my life now. Yeah. Right. I get that slavery happened. So because slavery happened, I need to see myself as a victim in 2018. Or can I look forward? That's like saying, as a Jewish person, you went through the Holocaust. You can't go be a lawyer. You can't do you, what? You lived through the Holocaust. Like you're a victim. Duh. You know that's just kind of how it is. But you don't see that in the Jewish community. They, you know, they they still like remember. They have like their remembrance stuff. But they they look forward. They don't they don't apply it to their everyday life. Like okay, so historically, here's what happened to people who share my skin color. So yeah. because of that. I need to make sure that my life plays out in a certain way. You're like, it's self-inflicted at this point because Martin Luther King knocked down the barriers of identity politics. That's the thing. That's why when people compare the civil rights movement or the BLM to the civil rights movement, I want to like break furniture because the civil rights movement was all about getting rid of identity politics because blacks were discriminated against because of their identity. BLM is all about perpetuating identity politics. It's the idea that because I am black, because black people have been through this, here's why they can't do this. Here's what we need to do. It's just like MLK's goal was assimilation, assimilation, assimilate into society. Whites do this. We should be able to do this. Let's go and do this. You know, and it's just, I want people to think of themselves as individuals before they think of themselves as a part of a group. Like, I don't like thinking of myself. Yes, my skin is black, but that doesn't mean anything. That means nothing. I'm an American citizen, just like everyone else. I want to be treated just like Mm -hmm. everyone else. Go ask any black person to be honest and ask them, okay, do you want to be successful as an individual? I guarantee they're probably going to say, yeah, okay, so be successful as an individual. You can't control the outcome of other people because there's going to be people that are still going to see themselves as victims. There's going to be people who commit crime and end up in jail or end up on, you know, welfare and all that stuff. Like there's a lot of things that can happen, but that's not tied to you. That has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with you and your personal, like you make your own choices. You make your own decisions. God has a plan for you. So when are you going to start thinking of yourself as an individual instead of part of some collective. Yeah. Yep. That is so true, man. Thank you for firing on all cylinders with that part, man. I I was like, don't stop. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, I could go all day. I know, I know we got to get to some other questions, but I could go all day on this one just because, you know, it, it just, it hits home for me because I could, if I could just wake up one to two people who feel like they're victims and like, man, imagine how liberating it is to know, wow, you mean I can just leave? There's no chains. I'm not connect. Like I can just go walk over there. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. You can go do anything you want. You can go be a pilot. You can go be, hmm, maybe the president of the United States. You know, you can do whatever, man. 
go what do what everyone do go start a business you can go travel the world you can go start your own skydiving company it doesn't matter what you want to do you can literally go do it and there are countless numbers of successes or successful black people who have done all of these things back in the day i could see like you know blacks when blacks were kept down you know before the civil rights movement and even a little bit after that still dealing with racism in the south and uh like it was hard to get a job but now look at now why can't people see what is going on now i swear people put more stock into what they are being told than what they're actually experiencing yeah i think candace owens actually said this in one of her videos she pretty much said if you t if the media tells people it is thunderstorming outside but where they live it's sunny don't believe it's thunderstorming outside of their house yeah right That's you it. have to experience your own life step back think critically like wait a minute i bought my own house I've never been to jail. I have a nice car in the driveway. My neighbors love me. They're white, whatever. Why would you then turn around and be like, you know what? But I'm I'm still black, so there's someone's gonna come take it away from me at some point. Yeah. It's BS, man. Yeah. It's it's all about the the mindset and the indoctrination that's going on and and it's almost, it's kind of funny because my mother put it this way to me the other day and I, I laughed because it's so true. She's like, isn't it freeing once you're, uh, doesn't it feel good once you break free of the matrix? And I'm like, yeah, I feel like I'm walking around and a lot of people are plugged in and I'm over here like, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's not what you think it is. Oh, we're oppressed. No, no, you're not. You didn't go through the oppression. And one of the things I like to tell to a lot of people that say, oh, we're oppressed is how is it that people back in the days of oppression did better education wise and financially and business wise than a lot of the people who are free now? Mm -hmm. You know, like. Yeah, it, yeah I, man. I, I don't know if you watch uh, Jesse Lee Peters. Uh, is it Jesse Lee Peterson. Yeah. I don't know if you oh, watch. Yeah. I love that guy. Like, I know a lot of people hate him. They call him so out a coon and he's ignorant because of the way he talks with his list. But I'm like, he makes a lot of solid points. He makes a ton of points. He makes a ton of points. And, and yeah, he says some inflammatory stuff too. I'm like, <laughs> oh man, I could, I could never, like, I could never tell some people I listen to this guy because if they found his stuff, they'd be like, wow. But you know what? That's just his brand. That's his brand. That's his delivery. And I respect it. You know, it's not like he's speaking lies. He's telling yeah. the freaking truth. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Sowell is another great person, too. Oh, man. Go in, man. I love Thomas Sowell, but go ahead. Floor is yours. <laughs> I love that dude, man. I, I've, I'm still learning about him, actually. So mm -hmm. I, I watched, first of all, I watched the interview he did with uh, Dave Rubin on the Rubin mm -hmm. Report. And he, he pretty much, he comes from that school of thought. He was Marxist back in the day. He had a Marxist ideology and now he's capitalist. And I just think a guy like that, he needs to be a speaker. Like I would love for him to get all the black conservatives in America and speak. Actually, he doesn't need to talk to us. He doesn't mm -hmm. need to talk to black conservatives. 
he needs to talk to the black liberals because mm-hmm. there's something about him that I feel like, really, how are you going to call this man an Uncle Tom? I could understand to a degree calling Jesse Lee Peterson, like, sellout, coon, whatever. It's still wrong. I don't agree with it. But at the same time, I can understand why you would call him that just because of his delivery. And he's very casual with how he says it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Thomas Sowell, he's like your favorite great uncle or something. He's just like, I don't know. There's something about him where you're like, man, I respect everything you've been through. You've probably seen so much in your life, but you're also telling it like it is. And you're not attacking and you're not, he's just, he's just talking in facts. He's very like fact based. Yeah. He doesn't get involved in, he's no emotion really. He's just very, he just tells it like it is. And I feel like that could actually wake some people up. It, it would be hard for a bunch of people to, I'm like, really, how are you going to dismiss what he's saying? And you definitely can't sit there and call him a sellout because he used to be Marxist, which is way far left. That is as far left as you can go. So <laughs> that is, is a wall, I think. I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll upstage that. <laughs> yeah. And like another great, uh, great, my, I love, um, I love uh, Larry Elder. And I'm Larry so, Elder, yeah. I'm so jealous that uh, Amazing Lucas got to meet him. Uh, recently, but I was like, man, I wish I could meet him. But Larry Elder, I mean, he he does, he did the same thing with Ruben. Like when when they were talking about systemic racism, he's like, show me the facts. What are the facts? Yep. And I was uh-huh. like, wow, that 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 yep. that level of just knowledge and confidence, man. I, I'm striving to get there. Oh, that that will be us. That will absolutely be us. I mean, if you think about it, we're on a trajectory to get there faster than he did because we're in the information age. Yeah. This is this is like the time to get the most knowledge. You can get so much knowledge from the internet. You don't have to you don't have to go the extra mile to do the research. It's right there in front of you. Back in the day, you probably would have to go to the library or you know, try to go to some convention where other people are talking about it because they got the knowledge from somewhere else. The the information traveled slow. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, I kind of wanted to ask you also, like, what do you think of some of the issues in the black community, like the lack of education, the fatherlessness, uh, single parent homes, uh, reliance upon financial, you know, the, the, the welfare system and the whole push towards athletics or, you know, hip hop over science and, and other things. Like, what, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Well, well, there's two things. Well, you know, the legacy of the, you know, uh, single parent household, that that legacy is totally tied to democratic policy, you know. I think it was the Great Society Act in the 1960s, pretty much the welfare state. That is not only just affect black people, it's affected white people, too, over time. Single, mar- single mother households up like 77% since then. Um, so that makes it hard. Taking the father out of the home, that makes it hard. Uh, the other thing is, I think the biggest thing actually isn't even the welfare state because um, – if people knew what the welfare state was, they would immediately try to get off of that because I remember at one point for me, I got laid off from my job. Mm-hmm. Like they did massive job cuts and 
it took me a while to find the next job. But at that time I qualified for like food stamps and like all these like government things. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't want them. Cause I'm like, no, this is just temporary. I don't, I don't even need it. Like I'd rather go to someone who's like, who could really, really use it. Like I can actually afford to feed myself. It's fine. You know, just the idea that I would need some government assistance, even though I'm a taxpayer and it's, it's fine. But just the idea of it, I just don't like, I just don't like, it, you know, because if you don't work, you don't eat. Exactly. So like if it came down to it where I'm just so freaking starving, man, I will go walk into McDonald's and ask like, I, can I start working right now, please? And I just feel like if people had that <clears throat> mentality and they knew that the welfare state is something that would make you dependent on the government mm-hmm. and it really zaps your motivation to do better. Um, I feel like they would get off of that. Right. But the other side of it, the most toxic thing is the culture, the culture of it. Some people actually think it's cool. Some people and this is all stuff that I found out when I moved to Minneapolis, because when I was living in Minnesota, that, you know, that's a super blue liberal state. And they have a really good, like strong welfare system up there. Like they give a lot of handouts. This is where I was living, where I got some in the mail, I think, where it's like, oh, we saw that you were recently laid off. Here's some benefits that you qualified for. So they do a lot of that out there. And uh, there, so basically there are a lot of people from other cities in the Midwest that actually go to Minnesota because of their welfare system is better. Mm-hmm. And I've heard those people talk about it. Like people come from Chicago, Detroit, St. Louis. And granted, those cities are in squalor right those those aren't like the best places to live so i could see you wanting to go to another place and minnesota is not like that minnesota is really nice and clean but to go because the welfare is better as opposed to something like man there's job opportunities or there's a school that i like or you know that to me says you want to grow from the situation that you find yourself in versus the people that are trying to game the system Mm-hmm. Right. How many people are out there on food stamps and, you know, government assistance that are able bodied citizens just like us, but they don't want to yeah. do the work. I'm willing to bet you there's at least half of the people. Yeah. And the other half, they've incentivized it through two things, the welfare state or the. Democrat politicians, somehow it's incentivized, I guess. You have another kid, we'll give you an extra check every month. You get your tax write-offs. The other half is the culture. Hip-hop. They talk about having a baby's mamas and all that stuff. And, you know, you take when you break up that family structure, all the values go out the window. You get fatherless yeah. children, and it just it's it becomes like a farm. It's like a farm. You're like farming more of that. And that is exactly why it's time to break that up. It's time to break that up. Who cares about what people have to say? Facts over feelings. It's time to change the rhetoric because that's the only way you're going to change the behavior is you got to got to get up in people's faces and tell them like it is. Yeah, definitely, man. We're down to the last last four questions. Then we got an open forum Q and A for the audience. Um, my next question, I want to ask you: When it comes to the group Black Lives Matter, and I know you said it before, they're a distraction. Do you feel, and I know you don't, 
But do you feel that they are helping the black community? Or do you feel like they and the leftist liberals and the mainstream media are causing a massive divide, not only in the black community, but in American society as a whole? Yeah. So Black Lives Matter, as I said before, we know that it was born under the false narrative that Michael Brown had his hands up. And it started as a hashtag on Facebook and it grew from there and it became more radicalized from there. Yeah. I think that BLM, well, actually, I don't know because the conspiracy theory side of me, I can't prove this, but the conspiracy side says this was funded by George Soros. This was fed to us by the propaganda machine. Yo, you know about right? George Soros. George Soros. Yeah, that globalist. That hung, oh. Yeah, I know about him. Yep. That guy. This is the whole deep state. Yeah. Funded Antifa, funded the Women's March, mm-hmm. funded um, this March for Our Lives. That is all. He is back there puppet on the strings. So that's one idea. And I'm, I don't really know if that's all of that's true. But BLM, I think, let's just say there was no George Soros thing, right? BLM, Mm -hmm. I think, started out with good intentions. Like, hey, something needs to change. Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. I don't think it started as Black Lives Matter, F the police. I don't think it started that way. I think it was someone felt really strongly like, hey, Black Lives Matter. But... I don't know if they were saying it to say like black lives matter, like white people, or if they're saying, Hey, everyone, black lives matter. Let's figure this all out. Mm-hmm. See how those, those two things are different. Like who's the audience that the hashtag was meant to attract. And what's happened is you've got a lot of social justice warriors who have hijacked it. And I saw it in Minnesota the Black Lives Matter protesters up there, they're not even like black people. I remember what, like seeing them, they, they shut down uh, the downtown streets and they like blocked the highways mm-hmm. and they were getting arrested and protesting and all. It got violent, but the cops got a handle of it. I'm like, a lot of these are just like white liberals. And I'm like, what, what, like what your Black Lives Matter, like what's going on with this? It's just, it's a huge distraction. It's a yeah. it's a way to basically shame and shift the blame to people who aren't to blame for it. Yeah. You know, police. You're going after police. Don't you know that police are the only fighting chance in the black community? Without police in the community, Imagine what Chicago's like if there's no cops to go through there. Imagine how many more murders happen. How many more drug deals go down? How many more homicides? Yeah. The city, it's already failing as it is. You're telling me cops are the villains? Now, there's obviously bad cops out there because there are bad people. There are bad people in the world, and bad people in the world have all professions, including cops. You know? Mm-hmm. There's no way that we're ever going to have 100% good cops. There's always going to be cops that have ill intent. There's always going to be cops that um, make the wrong decision, right? Yeah. But 
to come out and have an entire movement based on lies and false narratives. And with the irony of the hashtag, you're not even addressing the biggest issues facing the black community. So how can black lives matter if all you're focusing on is the 0.0004% of black people that are dying at the hands of the police when you don't even know that those people were criminals, Alton Sterling, sex offender. He had like, um, Brandon Tatum talked about, he made a whole video about it, about how Alton Sterling had a bunch of drugs in his system. Um, the Eric Garner thing, he was, I think he had been arrested a whole bunch of times before that. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that they want to focus on those hyper local situations that were super unique and say spark this huge outrage but they completely ignore how many people die in chicago over fourth of july weekend when fireworks are going off that's when you can do the most killing in chicago i didn't know that (laughs) yeah so more people die that weekend than any other weekend of the year or week whatever and i just feel like they're not focusing on the right stuff I feel like BLM could gain some credibility and be respected if they were actually addressing the real problems, which is in the black community. You don't need a hashtag for that. Just go into the community and talk. Yeah. So that's my thoughts on BLM. And I'm just going to keep it light because my goal would be to take that false. I want them gone. Like they're just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I agree. And man, I'm so glad you brought up George Soros because there's a lot of people I talk to. And when I, especially, you know, the people I know that are heavily involved in, you know, Black Lives Matter, and I brought up to them, I'm like, you do realize that George Soros funds your group, right? They're like, no, he doesn't. Who's that? I've never heard of that. I'm like, the Open Society Foundation funds Black Lives Matter. I think it was 30, over 30 something million. He gave mm-hmm. to them, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, you're just being a conspiracy theorist." The, the the Black Lives Matter never gave got any type of donation like that. I'm like, "Yeah, you did. It's on his website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Google so, it. You can Google that information." Exactly. I'm like, and I, I asked him. I said, "Why do you think that Trump is so hated?" And it's because he's not in the pocket of Soros. Now, you can call me a conspiracy theorist or or any of that. I said, but Hillary, her daughter, married Soros' nephew. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. But, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Like, all, the, I, all these elites are in bed with him except for Trump. And it's like, yep. think about it. He who This guy, his history, you look back at history in World War II, where he was helping the Nazis kill Jews. You know, you, you, you take it even further, where he was destabilizing and, just, you know, disrupting whole economies. You know, he's a, he's a wanted criminal in multiple countries. And yet he gets to do so much here in America and nobody's saying anything about it. Yeah. And he doesn't believe in God either. Yeah. And he just likes, he does what he does for fun. He gets off mm-hmm. on it. And it, it, yep. that's scary. That's, that's yeah. Scary. Anyway, yeah. I know we, we went on that little George Soros rant, or I did. <laughs> uh, uh, 
I don't know a lot of people that actually know about him. So, like, when I hear about that, I'm like, man, we could talk George Soros. We could talk, the you know, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. There's a whole yep. lot of people just don't know. Bilderbergs, yep. Right? The freaking Federal Reserve, and that's actually not part of the U.S., and it's sitting uh-huh. on a plop of land that nobody, you know, we don't own. It's amazing. You go down the rabbit hole, and it's never-ending. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, man, The Matrix was not a movie. It was a documentary. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. All right, man, I want to ask you, uh, what are your thoughts and feelings on America, and do you believe or agree with the liberals saying that America was never great and was built on the backs of slavery and immigrants? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. America was founded by settlers. The land was not developed. Yes, there were people already here, but they were in a different part of America, right? Mm -hmm. And the people who were coming here, the people who came here, the the settlers, they were fleeing tyranny, right? They came over here to build a new life. And as things, you know, progressed, you had more people come over mm-hmm. and those people helped to build the society. I don't think America was ever not great. Right. So I get the make America great again, but I'm also like America has always been great. So there's people who think that America has never been great. There's people who say make America great again. I'm on that. But I'm like when was America not great? Like we won all the wars. We, you know, the wars that really matter, we won those people are coming here in droves. The poorest person here still has access to clean drinking water. Yep. Like I said, this is the freest, most prosperous nation in the history of humanity. So When was America not great? Even at its worst point, it is still the greatest country on earth. And for people to say that, I'm like, okay, you should buy a one-way ticket to Haiti. Go to Brazil. Go to Venezuela. Go to Burkina Faso. Go over to Africa somewhere. Go somewhere where people are – people have to go miles just to get water. Kids can't even go to school because they have to go – miles upon miles just to get clean water to drink just to drink they don't get to shower with it they don't get to do anything else just to drink you know people want to come here or go to go to europe where they suppress everything the uk they ban guns they want to ban knives they want to ban your speech they control what kind of health care you get they get to say if your life is important enough to save you know or, you know, people like to com- compare America to, like, homogenous countries like Sweden and Denmark. I'm like, if you go over to Sweden or Denmark, they're not going to bend their society around your beliefs. They're not going to try to accommodate you. America is the most accepting, accommodating country ever. Yeah. Right? You can come over here and you can be Muslim here. No one's going to judge you just because of your religion over here. I mean, some people obviously will, but you can still like thrive here. You can still build a life for yourself. You can be whoever you are while in America, but don't ever disrespect America because America is the very reason you're able to do what you're doing, Uh right? You're benefiting from capitalism, but you want socialism. How does that work? 
that changes your life. You know what? I, I have a lot of friends that, man, I tell you what, I made a video about it. This is probably my third video when I started my channel. Mm -hmm. We were talking about like capitalism versus they don't want to call it socialism, but that's what it is. It's socialism. Right. And I'm advocating for capitalism. I'm like, this is the only country where you can change your financial situation with just a few decisions. You can just make decisions and change it. But if you if you're under socialism, they throttle it. It's like, well, instead of these few people being rich, let's have everyone be middle class or everyone be poor. And that is that is like. Oh, I can't think of the term, but it's pretty much like anti-religious, I want to say, to to worship the government and say the government should actually take a role in shaping our society. Yeah. And they were talking about, oh, well, we need to raise the floor. We need to have a baseline safety net. And America's this is what's wrong with America. And I, I just I'm, I, I'm like okay, as you're about to go to your job and you make all this money and you can decide what you want to do. If anything, we need to have less government. So I don't know. It's just so disrespectful. And I hate that um, the anti-American like BS has spilled over into my escapism, which is sports. You know, last year with the NFL and the kneeling. I mean, these are some of the most privileged people in America, like you could not go anywhere else and make the money you're making to do what you're doing. Yet you're saying America's like not great, but America's so great. You can say that America's not great. You can't go to any other country that I'm aware of and talk down on the country while you're in the country. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I tell people that too, and and they don't they don't want to hear it. Like, and then I hear the whole thing about make America like Sweden. I'm like, you do realize that Sweden is probably the size of uh, what is it? It's comparable to the size of Pennsylvania or something. Yeah, I'm like, you want to make our entire country the size of that? I'm like, why do you think it works? What they have works so well for them? It's because of how small it is. And if you really look into it, it's not really working that well because you've got the, the Muslims going there with the Sharia law and trying to force Islam there. And, you know, Sweden's the rape capital of the world. And and the UK is becoming the second. You know, they're already done. Like, I have friends that I know that live in Sweden that live in, um, like, I know Peter Sweden. Uh, I have friends that live in the UK, and they just tell me, like, man, I, I want to go to America because it's so horrible here. I can't speak out on the atrocities that are going on because it's it's called it's considered a hate crime. I'm like, so the movie it was what was that movie where they'd had the precogs and whatnot. We're kind of getting to that point without the technology. It's like, oh, you think it? You're guilty of it. You don't have to actually do anything. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it, it just really, it, it really infuriates me when I hear people say America was never great and they don't like this country. And I'm like, you know, I, I've said the same thing to you, uh, same thing you said, like, you know, go to Africa. Oh, yeah, I'll go to South Africa. No, don't go to South Africa. Go to the part that's not developed. Right. So, you know? Right. That's what I'm saying. 
And this is this is exactly why we are so blessed to have Trump because Trump is bringing back that American pride that we lost. Yeah, we lost it. I mean, we lost it for so long under Obama. I felt like it was almost guilty to be an American. Like, oh, it's so bad here because all he focused on was how bad America was. And Trump is like building that up like. We are proud to be American. America first. Why when people hear the term America first, they think of like slavery or racism or something instead of maybe just maybe he's Mm -hmm. talking about Americans, meaning everyone of all creeds, color, religion, sexual orientation, American citizens. That, to me, that's a unifying statement, not a divisive statement. America first. When I heard the term America first, I'm like, he's talking about me. I'm American. Yeah. Huh. I didn't think of like, oh, that racist. That's racist to say America first. And I'm like, man, I want to put on my American flag. I want to dress like it's Fourth of July whenever I hear that because it's it's just so uplifting and it's liberating. And it's a reminder that we are so blessed. There's no people on the planet more blessed than American citizens. Yeah. Period. And, you know, that's the thing that's really been getting me is how, you know, they're pushing for this divide. Like now you want, you know, people want the segregation again. And I don't understand it. Like, and I know Black Lives Matter pushes heavily for this, but that spits in the face of everything that Martin Luther King did, you know, and Uh everyone from the civil rights movement. Like why are we trying to regress when we need to progress? And, and it just, I don't get it. Uh, uh, Yeah. It's, um, it's a cultural thing, you know, within the black community too. I feel like it's, um, voluntarily segregation, Mm -hmm. voluntarily segregating because you have people who want to go to all black colleges, Yeah, but they grew up in an all black neighborhood went to all black elementary middle school high school then they go to an all black college i'm like okay but that's not the real world the real world has asians hispanics black people from other countries um obviously white people indians there's just more people out there and it's like why wouldn't you like expand your worldview Because if you go to an all-black elementary school, middle school, high school, and then you go to an HBCU, and then you graduate and you get a job, well, guess what? Your first interaction with a white person is probably going to be in the workplace. That sounds pretty awkward to me. Yeah. Why wouldn't people just assimilate? The best thing I ever did was, and I didn't grow up in a black neighborhood. Like I said, I was one of the only black people at my school because mm-hmm. we lived in the burbs, whatever. But why wouldn't you just want to go out and explore? Because even me leaving where I grew up to go to college gave me a whole different life perspective. I'm like, wow, I didn't know I like climbing mountains. I love hiking. Who knew? Mm-hmm. You know, and these people that I met that are from the middle of nowhere, like small town America, I thought that that was like the racist Republican part of the country. These people are not racist at all. They don't have races at all. They hang out with them all the time, you know? And I just feel like it's that type of thinking that is progressive, you know? For me to be a conservative, I'm more progressive than these so-called progressives because yeah. they want more identity politics. They want more tribalism. 
Yeah. Now they're actually being honest. Yeah. I didn't even know that they were actually <laughs> pushing for it. I knew that with the the whole Wakanda and all. The, I just that's so you're pushing for an ethno state, but you're also demonizing Trump for wanting an ethno state when he actually doesn't even want an ethno state. So who's the bigot? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Definitely, man. I, I got one last question for you. Um, yeah. So many, especially and primarily the mainstream media, they push this demonizing narrative that Donald Trump is a racist, is divisive. Do you feel that he truly is or that he's just getting shit done and speaking his mind? And in reality, it's the mainstream media, the Hollywood elites, and the deep state that are being divisive. Yep. Oh, and don't forget the uh, the college professors, the liberal college professors. <laughs> yeah, I forgot uh, them. The, the, the chick from, uh, oh, man, was it Fresno State? Yeah, the professor oh, of yeah. Fresno State. That's that Barbara Bush, like, good riddance. They're all going to die. Like, those people, those are the most racist people. Okay, yeah. so... You asked, is Donald Trump really a racist? Okay, so if you get online and if you Google Donald Trump and black people and click on images, you're going to see pictures of Donald Trump holding black babies, posing for pictures with Snoop or whatever celebrities, obviously posing a picture with Kanye, hanging out with black people. He went to some summit way back in like the late 90s and Jesse Jackson like praised him for what he's doing with Trump Towers and uh, employing black people and stuff. And he spoke at black summits and conventions and he's been very um, generous to the black community, right? Mm -hmm. And you can find pictures of Donald Trump with black people, okay? Now, type in David Duke and black people and see if you're gonna get images. Type in white supremacists and black people. You're gonna get different pictures. So how can someone be, racist white supremacists while also donating money to the black community. Um, He hired Ben Carson. Why would he hire Ben Carson at all? He doesn't have to hire Ben Carson. Diamond and Silk, he loves Diamond and Silk. They've been in the White House. Yeah. He loves, uh, he knows who Candace Owens is now. I feel like Donald Trump is like, the far, not the, I can't say the farthest from racist, but I'm like, I just, I can't, I don't see racist when I, when I look at Trump. Now, the shithole country statement, right? Okay. We all knew what he meant. We all knew what he meant. And we also know that he wasn't um, talking about the people. He was talking about the conditions that those people are living in. Yeah. Why are we getting these people here from these countries, right? Yeah. He's basically saying we want the best. Now, where he screwed up is he, he, he said, like, what about people from Norway? Which, you know, the vultures were circling and waiting for that kill, and they just swarmed down on us. See, he's making <laughs> it racist, black and white, you know? Yeah. So if he had said, I don't know. I don't know. If he would if, if have just phrased it differently, it wouldn't have had the, the backlash it did. And then it's also he allegedly said it. So yeah. that's what they're that's what they take and run with now. There's no more investigative journalism. It's all dead. They just yeah. say, 
oh, sources close to a person who was near Donald Trump and had their ear to the door said Trump said, <laughs> and then CNN runs a headline and puts it on their website and blogs about it, and then they'll talk about it for a couple weeks, and that that just becomes news, you know. So no, I don't think Donald Trump's a racist. I feel like if Donald Trump were right here right now. He'd be the coolest guy. He'd just be chill. You know, he doesn't seem like somebody that I feel like you should if someone is as racist and as bigoted and sexist and xenophobe and just white supremacist. If someone is that bad, you would probably be able to pick them out because yeah. they'd be wearing a freaking white. <laughs> right. <be> wearing a <laughs> so, yeah. Debunked. Donald Trump is not a racist. And it's like the comparison of him to Hitler and people say he's as bad or worse than Hitler. I'm like, wait, so we got concentration camps as bad as the Holocaust? I'm like, if he was so right. bad, then you wouldn't even be able to talk about him. You'd be dead already. <laughs> right. And you know what? It's actually pretty vile for people to cheapen the term Nazi and Hitler and stuff like that. That yeah. is an insult, and it undermines what people went through. To yeah. say that Donald Trump is literally Hitler, that is an insult to people who were victimized by Hitler. Yeah. Right? It's just like when people say he's a racist, you're cheapening the term racist. It's like crying wolf. When you say everything's racist, when it's not, when there's no evidence of racism, you see, you just call it, well, it must be racist. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the same thing. You know, like you can't just go so extreme and like to call us Nazis for supporting them. Like Nazis really... But that's the left. That's what the left does. Yeah. All emotion, no logic. And no substance. <laughs> no substance. No platform. 2018 is going to be interesting. The election. Yeah. All right, man. Um, I thought we were going to have some questions from the audience. I guess they're just we, you know, engaged in what we were talking about. A lot of times that happens, though, like Everything we'll talk about on the podcast, the audience is like, "Oh, I was, uh, I was going to ask about that, but you covered it." So, yeah, uh, I guess we don't have any questions. So, uh, I guess I want to end it on this. Um, what advice would you like to give to the audience? You know, that you would like to leave them with, and what impact would you like to make with the amazing work that you do? Uh, I guess for for me, I would like the audience to. If you're feeling strongly about something, because I know like I was one of these people and I'm not saying the audience of these people, but like I was someone who was kind of in the crowd feeling passionate. But I was kind of scared to to step out and like speak up. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like it was it's just easier for me to like identify with it and just, you know, validate my beliefs and like, yeah, this is real, you know. But if you feel really strongly about speaking out. Don't hesitate to do it, even if you start small, because you can do it small like I was doing just just micro blogging. Pretty much. That's that's what Twitter is. That's what I did was just kind of micro blog just to start, like, getting the hang of it. Like, OK, I'm going to start speaking this. And, you know, if this person has something to say, I'll send them an article. I'll invite them to debate me like we'll just, you know, we'll chat kind of debate. Yeah. Then that got me comfortable with my talking points and that got me comfortable with knowing the facts and researching the facts 
but I just think we need more people that are willing to speak out. Yeah. Because because right now they are they are effective at getting people to believe that the only people who vote Republican, the only people who support Trump are these horrible, hateful people. And in reality, there there's probably one, two percent of people are those people that they're talking about. And we're not seeing them anywhere. So where yeah. are they at? You know, so the more people that speak up and stand up and like that's why I loved like um, bold titles like conservative Mexican, mm-hmm. um, the gay Republican. Um, there's a there's a guy on YouTube, the gay Republican. He speaks out a whole lot like, hey, look, I'm gay. I love Donald Trump. And it's not all these white people. So I just feel like the more people that can speak out and just say, like, hey, I'm just a normal guy that, you know, supports Trump and I have America first values. The more we can do that, I feel like the better off we'll be. Yeah. And then your I feel like your question had a second part to it, but I kind of. Oh, what, uh, what impact would you like to make with the amazing work that you do? Oh, yeah. The impact that I would like to make is. You know, I'm still kind of figuring that out. Everything's so new. I definitely want to start with growing my YouTube channel. I would mm-hmm. love to have more subscribers. I just want to reach a wider audience because I just feel really strongly about if I can, if I can, you know, like I said, wake some, wake some person up. It's not even just about politics and the society we live in. Like I said, it's spiritual for me. It's deeper than that because. Yeah they kind of go hand in hand, liberate your mind and you'll free your soul. You'll be free, you know, Mm -hmm. because you're trapped. You're trapped in this reality. It's kind of like the matrix. It's literally kind of like that. It's like, you know, we're in this simulation with all this chaos and we're always whipped into a frenzy. We're at the mercy of these faceless powers that control us. We are still controlled, even though we're free, like our minds are free, but like, they're constantly being like attacked with propaganda. And, you know, sometimes we'll fall back into the matrix. I would love to wake people up to that because once you wake up to that, it opens doors for you that you wouldn't even understand. It's not even just, it's like politics is kind of like the start of it. Mm -hmm. Wake up from that indoctrination, you know, see through the lies and then live your truth. Yeah. Ultimately, I would love to branch it out into something else. You know, I just kind of want it to create itself organically, but I would ultimately love to, you know, inspire others. Be a speaker, coach, whatever it is, just help someone else, because then I feel like I'm 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 truly living out my passion. I'm living out the way I'm supposed to live out my life, having an impact on someone else. And you're already definitely doing that, man. You're impacting uh, thousands upon thousands of people with the content you're, you're putting out, your message that you're doing. I I would even implore that you get into podcasting because uh, the stuff that you're talking about, you know, you, you could do it in the sense of just hit record, just free flow thought, and then just upload it to iTunes and, and, and Google Play. Like, I can show you how to do that, man. Like, my biggest audience that I've gained is really from doing podcasts because I, I guess, you know, with YouTube is kind of oversaturated in a way. But 
a lot of times it it, it kind of goes both ways. Like it, it it crosses over, and and I, I think between YouTube and Twitter, and you know, if you did podcasting, you your your net of reach will be amazing. Okay, yeah, I, I guess I got to think about that. You know, um, I'll definitely want to get some Wi-Fi by the time I start podcasting, but <laughs> I'm definitely open to that now. You know, uh, yeah. I studied. Uh, I really in college, I I was like meteorologist at heart, like science nerd. But I ended mm-hmm. up settling like I ended up getting a communication studies degree. And I feel like now that degree is coming into play way more than my corporate job did. So I feel like I'm actually doing more with it now, being an effective communicator and we um, reaching degree. an audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm meeting so many like minded <laughs> people just by just by this new life, man, everything is divine. Everything is divine, bro. That's how I see it. And I would love to um, learn how to run podcasts. Like I said, if I can do the figure out, can you tell me how to do this Google play thing? We can chat offline off about that, but I want to do this uh, Google hangout chat thing because I was going to do a video like this with conservative Mexican. So I can like reach a wider audience and, um, I talked to Kevin from Kevin's corner and mm-hmm. he's supposed to get back to me today. He, he might've sent me a message or something, but, uh, I yeah, want to learn. I'm his... still waiting to hear back from him too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want him to give me some feedback on how I can, uh, grow my channel and, you know, start broadcasting, do simulcasts on Twitter and YouTube, everything. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, man. Yeah, definitely, man. I can definitely show you that. Um, I right. guess that, that just about wraps up the podcast. Uh, I, I really want to thank you, uh, Magnificent, for being on the show. Uh, I want to thank you guys who have been watching, listening, however you're going to consume this content. I want to thank you guys. This will be up on iTunes, Google Play, Music, uh, Stitcher. Um, what's the other one we're on? We're on a couple other different out- outlets. But it will be up in a couple hours on those platforms. You'll be able to find it. Just uh, search the Casanova podcast. I want everyone to go and subscribe to Magnificent. The link for his YouTube channel is down in the description below. And make sure when you subscribe to ding that bell. That way you get notified on every video that he posts up. Just because YouTube is being bums right now. And for whatever reason, they don't notify our audiences whenever we put up new videos. So make sure you do that. And with that being said, um, hey, Mike, you, you want to leave with anything? Yeah, man, I, I was, it was a pleasure to sit here and chat with you and, you know, um, let the audience know a little bit more about who I am. And I'm looking forward to collaborating again. And thanks for having me on the show, man. It's it a great time. And enjoy that beautiful weather out there in Honolulu. You still got a lot of daylight left. It's, uh, <laughs> a, it's approaching nine o'clock here in Florida. It's dark. Oh my goodness! Yeah, man, you, we got to get you out here to Hawaii sometime, man. We can kick it. I can Definitely, show you man. How it is and get, uh, dude. You you would love the food out here. Oh man, <laughs> definitely, man. Looking forward to it. All right. With that being said, thank you guys for watching. We'll catch you in the next one. Make sure you subscribe to Mike Nificent's channel and ding the bell. And we'll see Definitely. you on the next podcast. All right. Later. Peace.